Hello and welcome to Sister Love. This is your girl, Retta Rainbow. I'm here with a special guest today, uh, my friend Nancy and former colleague. Um, she started off in higher ed, but now has graced the corporate world. But then also she is a part of a family-owned business and she's well-connected in the Chicago community. And so I brought Nancy on today to talk with us a little bit about what it's meant to advocate for herself um and others and then also how has she navigated some of life's transitions between occupations um between education and between building a life within the community and so now i will turn it over to nancy to tell us a little bit about yourself and what are you up to right now As Toretta said, I recently actually pivoted from higher education to the corporate space. So I met Toretta at Nurse University Frontier. So we used to um, work together. And then from, from there on, I went on to work at um, Kellogg School of Management and then made my move into the healthcare slash IT space. Um, so currently working as the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Program Manager for a healthcare company, and I love it. I am on month three. So right now I am juggling my new position, trying to hit the ground running. I'm still really, really involved, obviously, in my parents' business. So my parents own a local bakery in the Northwest side of Chicago. I, it's a business that's really close to heart for me. I grew up in it. I, uh, it's been a part of my life since I was little, and it's really been, sustaining my entire family. So we're really, really proud of it. And I'm still here in Chicago. So definitely juggling those things and now soon to be juggling possibly a return to the office here in Chicago. Awesome. Definitely congratulations. Definitely excited for your new your new adventures. Um as long as I know Nancy, she has always been committed to justice, equity, diversity and inclusion. Uh, from her impact into the way that um, she had a hand in the search um, that I was a part of, I was a candidate, um, to behind the scenes, I was told that it was Nancy and several others that really lobbied and advocated um, for our organization to really look at equity and inclusion and to think about the impact of um, the candidates who were interviewing at the time, uh, what impact they could have on Norris and our imprint on campus. Um, but Nancy, tell us a little bit more about your work with justice and equity and inclusion. Like, as, as long as I've known you, you've been involved, but where did that start from? What, what was the catalyst for this? Yeah, so I guess like I always tell people that I actually, I got into higher education because I did want to make an impact. And so when I started, when I was in college, I was exposed to student affairs. I was a pretty active student. And I know that this is probably a story that's pretty familiar to a lot of folks with student affairs that you were really active as a student, you loved the impact that you were making, and it was shown to you as a possible career. So as soon as I graduated from the University of Illinois Urbanistry, I went on to do my master's at Loyola University of Chicago. My master's is in higher education with an emphasis in social justice. So I got to work with a lot of really great faculty members that really um, showed me a foundation of DEI and what we can do. 
So with that, I started as working with undergraduate students, graduate students, to now where I am is I'm working with full-time professionals um, in my current position. And so for me, it definitely started obviously very early on. Like I said, I knew that I always wanted to make an impact, but it was definitely because I saw I, I was a first-generation student so my parents both migrated from Mexico and I felt some of the struggles that they had to go through to be able to have a business. Um, I saw the struggles that they had to go through not being able to speak the language. Also the system itself wasn't really set for folks who were um, who identified as migrant, who identified as not being able to speak um, English to be business owners. And so for me, I felt and struggle a lot. And I wanted to make sure that I was always able to help them. And so that's something that I took to heart when I wanted from what I wanted a career. Like I, want, I knew I wanted a career where I could make an impact and I could help other people because that's kind of what inspired me was what I saw my parents go through. Thank you for that, Nancy. Thinking about, you know, what your parents went through, what, I get the impact, but what made you stick with education? There's so many options and, you know, I know when we're young, the world is our oyster, but what made you stick through education in spite of the systemic injustices or the barriers and roadblocks that you, that you saw? generation student and a college campus that was surrounded by cornfields is definitely very different to how I grew up in Chicago. Right. My high school in Chicago was super diverse. Um, it, it was obviously in the middle of the city. It was, I was able to have classmates who looked like me, thought like me, and came from neighborhoods like me, have parents who had similar backgrounds like me. And then I went to a college where it was a predominantly white institution, that support system that I grew up with was no longer there, but I found that support system through cultural centers, through getting involved. And so it exposed me to staff that was really making an impact in undergraduate students' lives. And I love that. So I love the fact that I was able to be a part of programming. I was able to be a part of event planning. I love that we could talk about first generation experiences and how can we bring together the Latinx community at U of I. And so that essentially was where I felt like I shined and where I felt that I really, like that, that was my passion. So I knew that when I graduated from the University of Illinois, like I knew I didn't want to lose that community. Mm -hmm. And for me, I saw still maintaining that community through a career in student affairs. So I, got really involved in helping with the TRIO programs. So making sure that folks who identified as minorities or low income or first generation got a chance to be exposed to opportunities that would make them thrive within the college environment. So that was essentially what TRIO was doing. So I helped with Upper Bound and we were working with two predominantly Latinx high schools in Chicago, making sure that the students had those opportunities. And I loved my work there. I was actually doing my work there full-time while I was finishing up my degree at Loyola full-time as well. And then after doing that for a year, I knew that I loved the work that I was doing with TRIO, but unfortunately I 
it was a lot. It was a lot for me to juggle. Right. And I knew that I like I like to sleep eventually. <laughs> so I figured I actually started to look for part time positions where I could only focus on my graduate work because at that time I was juggling my priorities as a student, juggling my priorities as a full time employee with Columbia College upper bound program and still juggling my responsibilities with my family. So a lot of the things that I used to help them with when I was a kid, I'm still helping them to this day. So whether it's running our SNAP benefits program, whether it's making sure that we're up to code, um, doing any certification the city of Chicago requires the business to do, I'm still involved in that. Mm -hmm. And so I just, at that point, I realized really early on the importance of balance um, and work-life balance, especially. So I knew that I had to step away from trio and look for a part-time position, at least until I could finish my graduate work. So that opened the door for me to be a part of a graduate assistantship at Northwestern's campus, which really is what opened my, the doors for me to be a part of so many different communities within Northwestern, because I spent a very, very long time there, and I enjoyed definitely a lot of time there. But so I started off as a multicultural student affairs graduate assistant, and then for that position, I was primarily working with African American student affairs. Mm -hmm. So essentially, I was helping to support our African American student population, the programs that they were running, the events that they were running, helping them also learn what it meant to do a program in the processes of design planning. I worked with several student organizations and also finalized um, what their graduation ceremony was going to look like. I had some really great mentors in that position that really made sure that I was enjoying the work that I was doing. I was applying what I was learning in my graduate program into my position, my internship, which as much as I loved my work at TRIO, I definitely, I would say I was supervised by somebody who who wouldn't always allow me to apply what I was learning in the classroom. Mm. And, and my job, and that's so much, it's such a growth opportunity for folks in student affairs to be able to apply at the very next day, and it wasn't something that I was getting. So I knew then also that as much as I loved my work, with TRIO, like I needed to find a supervisor who was really supportive of what I was doing. And it actually, that's a lesson that I think would stick with me <laughs> through every position that I ever had after that. Um, because even when I made my transition to multicultural student affairs, that's also one of the things that I was hoping to have a supervisor that was super supportive, and I did. Once I finished up my work with, with Loyola, my graduate program at Loyola, I was then actually hired full-time um, at Northwestern's campus, working in Norris University Student Center. And that's really where I was exposed to my first full-time position, post my graduate work, where I was able to apply what I was learning in the classroom. I was able to apply what I learned in TRIO, what I learned in my undergraduate institution, where I learned with multicultural student affairs, African-American student affairs, all into one position. Um, and I was, I always tell myself that, and I always tell people when I describe my work at North is that it was really a jack of all trades. Like you were doing a little bit of everything in every department. Right. 
So, so much of it was like obviously event planning, programming, um, but you're also doing a little bit of HR because you're walking through, you're, you're welcoming undergraduate students mm-hmm. and exposing them to their first position, guiding them through what um, maybe their first job ever is like, guiding them through customer service, um, and also exposing them to new skills that they possibly weren't exposed to as a high school student. So it was a really, really great opportunity for me. And it was also for, through that position, you know, it, it, it was one of the hardest positions that I've ever had because I also at times definitely clashed with my supervisor mm-hmm. um, from that position. And it was, once again, I think for me, it helped me know that. It helped me learn how to establish boundaries right. and also how it was time for the next move. Mm-hmm. So through my position at Norris, I realized that I loved working with undergraduate students, but it's okay if your passion grows in different ways. And if, if sometimes you're exposed to a different population, if you're like, oh, I really, really want to help them. So through that position, I was exposed to supervising graduate students and working with um, first-generation employees. And so I actually founded a Latinx employer research group because I felt like there was a need for us to build a community to support our graduate students as well as our first-time employees or just employees who had been on campus for a while as well, maybe didn't find a community, a Latinx community. And so it was through that process that I realized I loved working with undergraduate students but they weren't my passion anymore. Right. And, and that's okay, right? And I, I don't think that it was ever told to me that your passion could change. Like you might start off in one career and it could change and you'll end up doing something else. Um, and that really, I feel like that we don't really talk about that. We don't really talk about pivot or change. We, we just talk about folks being in a particular Field, that's the only field that they could do. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was actually like that's when I knew that I had to make a change. And it was also for me personally, you know, Coretta, one of the things that I really liked about you asking me to, to be a part of this conversation was that the, the mention of like being able to juggle family and love. Yes. I felt, I felt in my position in North that I couldn't have a dating life. Oftentimes mm. I was like, oh, I have a program Tuesday night and Thursday night or Wednesday night. Right. Um, so my hours were all over the place. I'm like, how do I communicate this to somebody that I'm dating and and, mm. and also them being them understanding that I might be, I might not even be available throughout the week. Like I might only be <laughs> Saturday night. <laughs> like, They're gonna I, think you don't like them, and it's so not uh, true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So I knew then that I was like, it's 
my passion is no longer here. It's time for me to make a change. And that's why I eventually left Student Affairs Center of Western and started applying to positions that I thought were going to give me a better balance, but also exposed me to new things. Like I wanted to know what it was like to work at in corporate spaces and for me to be able to make that pivot, I realized really early that I had to be exposed to different skills that I wasn't being exposed to anymore. And that is a good grab. You know, I enjoy hearing your story, Nancy, because what I hear is growth and a fearlessness in grabbing the next thing. And that next thing isn't a bright, shiny object. The next thing is an iteration of a lesson that you previously gained. And with that, I want to hear more about the voice work that came with these transitions. Because I hear the advocacy that you were starting to do for yourself as you learn different things about you. Like, what did that mean in terms of like voice and, you know, growing your voice, being able to ask, I'm assuming, different questions when you're going through some of these candidate selection processes or even negotiating for what you want out of these experiences? Like, how did you navigate your voice till now? Yeah, so that's that. So I would definitely say that I think when I was at Trio, I when I was at Trio, which was my first position right out of college, mm-hmm. I I knew that I wanted a position where I could apply what I was learning in the classroom to my job, right? And mm-hmm. I didn't get it there. So that for me, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not getting it here. So it means I need to change and move to a different job. And so then I, I left that job. When I got into my 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 job, I'm like, oh, it's just an So when I got my job in Norris, I was like, no, I don't want to leave this job. I like this job. So let me demand more. <laughs> let me, let me, um, I realized that I could ask and push back a little. So mm-hmm. I started to do that. But then at a certain point, I realized I can, I am pushing and I'm not getting what I want. So I need to also learn to move on when what you're asking for is not being given to you. And at a certain point, you have to realize that it might, it might not be your supervisor. It might not be the organization. It might be the whole system as a whole. And that's okay. But you can remove yourself from the situation and no longer have to face that situation. So when I when I started to look for a new position, I realized, what do I want? I want new skills. I, I want to work-life balance. And I want to refocus on the population that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. So I no longer want to work with undergraduate students. I only want to work with graduate students or, like I said, working professionals. So that position turned up at Kellogg School of Management. And it was a really, really different mentality. So I went from working crazy programming hours at North and Student Affairs to like only working maybe one event per week, only one Saturday a quarter. Right. Um, and so like the balance was there. And I was also able to, to negotiate more things. So I wanted for my professional development funds to be used on some of the programs that I was giving some of the graduate students. So I was able to ask for that. And what I really learned, and I always tell people this, one of the biggest things that I learned from Kellogg and from my supervisors at Kellogg is that they're not going to be able to be your biggest advocate. 
if they don't know what they should be advocating for. Mm, good so, point. So I had to make sure that I was very vocal about any anything that I may want out of my positions or whether I was negotiating. I had to make sure that I was vocal because I couldn't, I couldn't, my supervisors weren't going to know what my needs were if I wasn't vocal about those things. I also had a supervisor who was at, at that point, um, she was trying to, she was also very involved with her family. She, she was a mom. Um, she was obviously um, the breadwinner. And so one of the things that I learned from her is that their needs can change and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So some people might ask for more money. Some people might ask for a flexible schedule. Some people might ask for um, to be able to work from home Fridays and Thursdays. You just have to know how it's going to benefit your life and you're going to have to know how to be able to ask for that. Right. And so at one point when I started my position, all I wanted was really a work-life balance. The next year that changed and really what I wanted was to be exposed to leadership and and more professional development opportunities. So then I got that. So I think for me, what I learned the most was making sure that I was able to match my voice to my needs mm-hmm. and also showing that to my supervisor, right? Because I can't assume that they just know. And I want to make sure that for them, for you to have a supervisor that's going to be your biggest advocate, you're going to have to talk about, about those needs. But something that I also really learned from them was that a supervisor is going to help you. They're going to help you growing. They're going to help grow some of the skills that you want to grow in. So if you have a supervisor that's not helping you grow, then that supervisor might not be the one for you. And I think when you say that, Nancy, I go back to what you said probably like two, three minutes ago when you said it may be time to move on. Mm-hmm. Those are such that's it that brings pivotal pivotal clarity when you get to that point. Because it gets rid of the blame. It's easy to get lost in the blame. It's easy to get lost in victimization or or you know, woe is me or oh, I'm stuck. There's an ownership when that move on button starts to flash before you. How did you support yourself? You told us how you navigated and you pushed forward, but what did that mean? Because that is a, for those who've never experienced that move on piece, where you're dating somebody, sometimes it's time to move on. Sometimes it's a city. Sometimes it's a job. Sometimes it's changing a major. That move on button can be really heavy. So how did you support yourself when you realized your needs had yet again changed and you needed to move on from the supervision, the environment, um, the type of work you were doing to things that were edifying you that you were just learning about yourself? How did you support yourself? So one of the things, and I always, one of the things, and it's hard, I you know, and this is something that I think most folks in higher education can relate to. There's a lot of things that we're asked to do in higher education that are maybe other duties that's assigned and you're, you're kind of all told. Um, and I had, I had to realize that for me to be able to make some changes, for me to be able to in the long term, I knew that I wanted to gain skills. Like I knew, I already saw myself like, I like 
I like working with graduate students and I liked working with working professionals, um, which essentially are, are students who are working full-time and going to school part-time. And I like supporting employees. So I was like, then for me, that seems like I want a career in HR. And I want to learn more about what are the best ways to support employees mm-hmm. and what are the best ways to support baby adult students. And so for me, I knew like I knew that that was the long term that I wanted. But what I didn't know was how I was going to get there. And so for me, it meant that I had to refocus my time and shift. And it was it was. It was learning, honestly, how to say no again, mm-hmm. because in student affairs, I think we're, we're learned really very early on to say yes. All of these things you're going to be exposed to are learning opportunities. I no longer needed learning opportunities in student affairs because I was thinking about a pivot. Right. So I had to tell myself, it's okay now to say no to some of these things that you might be voluntold to do, you might be like encouraged to do. Um, and it's because they're no longer going to provide learning opportunities for me or growing opportunities. So I had to make a change and maybe stop going to student affairs focused organizations. I had to stop advising um, student organizations as well. I had to stop um, offering more time than I was being paid to do because now I needed to use that time to prepare passively for a move. So what that means was that even though I made a switch to Kellogg School of Management, some of the things that I had been doing very, very for a long term, such as like being an advisor to multiple student organizations, so still um, volunteering for multicultural student affairs, um, some of those things I had to say no. And it, it, it was a little bit hard at first. It was a little bit kind of like, oh, I don't know that I'm going to, I feel like I'm disappointing them. But then in the long term, if I didn't make those small changes and use that time to take human resources classes, to take business analytics classes, to take a sales class, like if I knew if I didn't start to make those changes, then in the long term, I might not be disappointing them, but I was going to disappoint myself because right. I was not going to be then prepared to make my change or my pivot away from higher education. So I knew that I kind of had to tell myself they're not disappointed. Now it's just it's, it's an open spot for somebody else who may want to be a student advisor or may want to work more closely with them. It's another chance for someone else to be able to step up and do those things. and. I also was honestly, I also thought that I was going to lose friendships if I paid, I stopped attending and stopped doing some of those things because I had to now go to a class or now I had to, had to focus on more um, business core professional development organizations. And, and I didn't. I think I, I never lost the friends that I thought I was going to lose. Like those friends are still very active in my life. I just, had to make a change for myself, like I said, to be able to support my pivot. And so luckily, like I said, I was pretty surprised that I didn't lose a lot of friends, but I did have a lot of questions of like, oh, you're, you're no longer going to those things. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, no, well, I kind of have, like, I, I don't have time. I don't have have the time for that. Um, I wish I did, but I don't. Um, but now I grew to 
have connections in a different way to other organizations. So, so it was kind of, like I said, it was a little bit bittersweet, but I knew that in the long term it would help me and it did. Well, I'm so glad that you did it. And for me, when I hear you reflect, I hear somebody prioritizing themselves the way that they prioritize others. And I know as women identified folks, that does not always come easy, especially those of us who come from collective um, cultural um, backgrounds or ethnicities or however you choose to identify. You know, a lot of times, you know, the world that we grew up in, the women that we saw leaving, like they were spread thin and still may be spread thin, but I, that's what I love about each generation. Each generation to me continues to push further and then like give back to themselves in a way maybe the previous generation couldn't. And I really feel like the women today are really starting to slow down and stop being performative because that's all we know to, we got options now and we are some of those options, right? Like it's cool to be other centered to a certain degree but, you know, I like what you said about, you know, your dating life. Like, you made time you made time and room for the things that you wanted to welcome, and you released those things that you no longer needed to hold on to. And I think yeah. that that's the wave of the future, I feel, for sustainability when it comes to women identified folks. Yeah, and I think it's hard, right, because I think as women of color, we're, we're kind of – asked to juggle multiple things and you can't let anything drop. That. And I was getting to the point where I was like, okay, I'm juggling, juggling students, um, I am juggling like the, all the student affairs, like um, organizations, I'm juggling all these positions, but now I'm letting like my dating life drop. And, and I like, what is, I Hello, friends. Welcome back to Sister Love. This is Red Rainbow with Nancy here. We are hitting part two of our conversation about advocacy. If you join us for the first segment, you heard Nancy rap with talking about the balance and realizing what she wanted from her future in terms of family and a love life and all those pieces. So that's where we're going to pick up in this second segment. Nancy, take us away. Yeah, so, so that pretty much, you know, a lot of that reflection came from leaving student affairs and making a small change over to college school management. There, I really was honestly given a lot of really great resources. I was exposed to a lot of folks that I felt didn't have a student affairs background. They had a corporate background, they had a business background. And so what was asked of us was definitely different. And there was there was more of a focus on work-life balance. And I definitely say, you know, it's, it's a top business institution that functions the same way for their employees and their expectations of their employees. So for me, it was a really great environment to, to grow and to also really think about um, how much, how important a supervisor in your relationship with your supervisor is going to affect how you show up in the workplace, as well as obviously your happiness with your balance. So I thought it's really funny because I actually, when I left student affairs, I was definitely struggling, struggling to have a dating life and, 
as soon as I made the change and a door opened for me in Kellogg, I started dating, dating somebody that I'm still dating right now. And I just felt like I would never be able to have the joy that I have in my relationship now if I were to have had it in student affairs because I didn't have just the time to invest in growing along with someone. And, you know, it was really, I was really, it sounds like I'm like grateful for Kellogg, but at the end of the day, you should, you know, be grateful for yourself and you mm-hmm. should give yourself a position and a job that's going to provide you with the opportunity to grow. Um, and so that was definitely provided for me at Kellogg. I, I initially, I had made the change over to Kellogg because I wanted to be exposed to a lot of different resources and I, and I grew to love my position, but I always felt that it was actually, um, I always thought that I would make a pivot out of higher education, maybe in like five years, and it ended up happening in two because the change just came so much faster when my partner decided to also make a change and look for a new position. It, it made me, me curious because I was now at the point where I was done finishing up um, getting all the classes that I wanted to to be enrolled in and, and get all the certificates that I wanted that I needed to make that change. And so now essentially, I was like, okay, so two years ago, I set out a goal to improve my dating life. I'm not going to let it happen. And then I said to myself, I'm going to make a change and refocus and really think about what is missing, what are the gaps in my education and my background that would possibly help me make a change. And I was able to do that with that pivot. So then I was at those two-year mark, and I was thinking, what's next? Next for me would be, as much as I love my positions at Kellogg, a lot of the roles that I always wanted to go into were starting to open up. We're starting to open up. And I became a little bit scared, to be honest, that all the roles like D&I manager, roles that were supporting business research groups, roles that were really work, working on creating a foundation of D&I for companies and organizations, I was scared that those were going to go away. Oh. And so I think before, I was scared to make change. Now, now I was scared to, to not be able to make a change and if I wait too long. So I think like before when I used to wait too long to dive into something new, now I'm like, no, I need to do it before the opportunity goes away. And I'm glad I did because it actually exposed me to my next career. So now I am the DNI program manager, like I said, at a healthcare organization. And it's been one of the best changes that I've made. I think it's definitely it's keeping me on my toes and exposing me to a lot more learning opportunities, but at the same time, I'm applying everything that I wanted to apply and I wanted to learn more of when I made the change away from student affairs. So it's kind of crazy to think that a lot of folks always tell me, well, how did you make the change? Like, how did it happen? And, and I never want to turn people away, but it honestly did happen through years of hard work, not only on the areas that I needed to grow in and, and the gaps that I saw, but really a lot of years of reflecting and recognizing that 
change can happen and it's okay and sometimes change happens fast you have to kind of grab the opportunity while you can and it's also okay to say one year i'm going to be really invested in my career the next year i really want to have a dating life and then the year after that now now i'm happy i've grown in my relationship but now i also want to grow professionally once again Right. So now I'm able to kind of balance it both because I feel like I have a little bit more wisdom than I did years ago where I wasn't able to balance my dating life. I love it. I love it. I love that you accepted where your life was going and you made room not only for career change and growth, but also for like you to enjoy love itself. Um it makes me think about all the questions I've seen in the last five to seven years about can women have it all? And I think you just nailed it. I think you can have it all when you're willing to name what all is. What is your all? Um, and so thinking about that, Nancy, as we draw some conclusion, what advice on just balancing and making room for the things that you want in your life? Like what nuggets of wisdom would you leave with the listeners? So I always tell folks that one of the one of my hardest lessons was identifying that a position should help me be who I am and not the other way around, I would say. So I think what we're often one of the reasons why I think folks are often unable to make the change is because they're scared of what's gonna happen, they're scared they're leaving something good. But the reality is, is that if you're starting to feel like you're not able to juggle your needs because of your position and you've asked for either a better work-life balance or, you're, or you've asked for some boundaries and that's not being given to you, then it's okay to leave. And it's okay to say, thank you for the experience that you've given me so far. It's okay to outgrow organizations and positions and move on to something new. And it's okay to continue to do that. I think, you know, my parents, when I, when I first told them, I'm leaving Northwestern and I'm making a change and going to a healthcare company, they were like, oh, but Northwestern has always been there for you. And I was like, no, it's more like I've always been there for Northwestern. And that's okay. Right. Um, Northwestern is still going to be there. And now I'm going to be somewhere else. And that's okay. And I'm going to learn it and grow in different ways. And Northwestern will grow and learn in different ways as well. We are more than our jobs, our occupation, mm -hmm. our titles, the things that we're passionate. We are ourselves. Um, that makes me think of my mom's. And my mom did not originate this, obviously, but she always echoes to me to thine own self be true. And I feel like that is the story that you really shared with us today about how to start putting ourselves first and being true to the things that are calling us to go in a different direction. So thank you. Thank you so much, Nancy. And I am so proud to know you, but also I have been able to witness as a spectator, some of these growths and, and, and good news on the sidelines. But that's why I wanted to bring you on today because I think we need to hear more stories about how women are are trying new avenues and, you know, taking on the things that really are starting to call to them um, to encourage encourage other women 
to step, you know, step bravely into whatever space is calling you forward. So definitely, definitely a lot of things that you share definitely resonate, definitely echo. And then hopefully our listeners find some nuggets in here for them to sink their teeth into as they navigate their transitions. Thank you so much for having me. And it's been such a pleasure to kind of revisit my story through telling your audience. <laughs> so definitely, definitely excited. Um, if you ever need, if your audience members ever need anything, or have additional questions for me, I'm always happy to chat as well. Awesome. And then Nancy, totally optional. Um, if people have questions, do you have any public social media where people can hit you up? Yeah, so actually folks can hit me up on LinkedIn. I usually start off just by, um, well, we can set up a time and then we can always set up a phone call and I love to also hear about people's stories and any way that I can help, more than happy to. So definitely I would say hit me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. Everybody, that was Nancy. Thank you for joining and blessing us with some great gems today. Um, Listeners, stay tuned for the upcoming and welcome to season four of Sister Love.